The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. We're beginning a brand new series today called Battles. And over the next couple months, we're going to be in this series for a while because we're going to be looking at a lot of the different battles that we all face in life. Some of the battles that we recognize that maybe you realize, you see it, you know you're in the middle of it right now, you recognize it. And then some of the battles that maybe you don't recognize and hopefully help you to be enlightened by the Word of God and what it has to say so that you can win and walk in victory. I want you to know something going into this. God wants you to win. God wants you to be victorious. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins. He won the victory so you can walk in victory. He won the battle so that you can win the battles. But it's up to you if that's going to happen. And so this series is going to be important. And today, what I really want to do is I kind of want to lay some foundational, uh, some foundation for us that we're going to build on over the next uh, eight weeks of this series. And so um, it's going to be really good. Now, I, I was studying a couple of years ago, something to know about me. I, for whatever reason, I am fascinated by World War II. I like to watch documentaries on it, read stuff about it. I just find that war and what happened there and how that changed the culture of America and made America, turned America into the world power that it became. I'm, I'm just fascinated by that whole thing. And I was studying one day and reading this, this article that was talking about the rise of the Nazi party and the rise of Hitler and his power. And, and from the beginning, he wanted to take over the world, but he didn't announce that. He didn't make that, you know, just real clear. In fact, they, they tried to kind of stay under the radar as long as possible. In fact, that's one of the reasons why America didn't enter the war for so long is they had no idea really what was going on. And that was by design by Hitler. And so when they were first starting to move across Europe and starting to defeat these towns and villages and, and then eventually countries, uh, when they would show up and start rolling in, people had no idea they were coming. And they'd roll in with tanks and armies and artillery and all this stuff. And people were literally in these towns and villages just holding shovels and throwing rocks at them. And they got destroyed. They got annihilated. Why? Because they were not ready for the fight. They didn't know a fight was coming, so they were not prepared at all for the fight. Now, I tell you that this morning because I believe that this is a problem that sometimes we face as Christians, as people. We're not, we're not ready for the fight. And so we lose. Not because, not because we can't win. Not because we don't have the stuff necessary to win, but because we're not prepared for the battle. We're not prepared for the fight that's ahead of us. So one of the things I want to do today is I want to sound the alarm. <laughs> I want you to recognize today that you are in a battle. In fact, if you're taking notes, that's my first point this morning. We are in a battle. You're in a battle. And it's a battle that you're going to fight every day. Every day. Turn to the person beside you and say, every day. You're going to be fighting this battle every day, and you're going to be fighting it until you die. The only way out of this battle is to die. And I don't think that's on anybody's list of things to do today, right? So, so no, like, we're going to be in this battle, and this is going to be the fight of your life. In that, I mean it's going to be something you're going to be fighting, and it's going to be the fight that lasts your entire life. We are in a battle. Look at this with me. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says this. It says, finally... My brethren, now this is Paul writing inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. This is the word of God. So this is the Bible. This is God's word. This is what God has to say. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Notice, notice it doesn't say, hey, just be strong. 
to buck up, like toughen up, do this thing. No, no, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're, we're to lean into God in this fight. Goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may, able, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, a couple of things I want to I want you to notice. Notice in verse eleven, it says that we're to put on the whole armor of God. Now, here's a question for you: Why would God ask you to put on armor if you didn't need it? Like that would be a waste, right? God's not wasteful. He doesn't waste your energy, his energy, time. He doesn't, he doesn't waste anything. So the fact that God tells us we need to put on this armor speaks to the fact that we're in a fight. He also says in verse, 20, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Notice he doesn't say we don't wrestle. doesn't say that. It says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Here's what that means. We're not wrestling against what you think you might be wrestling against. Your fight isn't against physical people. It's not against a boss, it's not against your spouse, it's not against your coach, your teacher, it's not against, it's against spiritual wickedness, it's against principalities and powers, but there, there is a fight, there is, we are wrestling, we are in a battle. The Bible's very clear about this. The Bible says that we live in this world, but we do not wage war uh, as the world does. Notice it doesn't say we don't wage war, it says we don't wage war the way the world does. But we are in a battle, we are in a fight, we are in a war. The Bible says that no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. It doesn't say that there's no weapon that'll be formed against you, does it? But it says it won't prosper. It says that there's going to be weapons, there's going to be things that come against you, but it won't prosper. The Bible doesn't say, or it says this, it says the battle is not yours, but it's God's. It doesn't say that there's not going to be a battle, but it says that in this battle, ultimately this battle is God's battle to fight for you and to fight with you. What I want you to see is we are in a battle. The Bible is clear about it. You're in a fight. It's a fight that you're going to be facing every day. And and yet I see all the time, I meet people, I counsel people, I talk to people, and they're not winning the battle. They're losing. Christians, losing. When, When it's already been won, and yet we can still lose. Why? Well, because one, we don't know we're in a battle. We don't recognize that we're in a battle. We don't, we don't recognize maybe how the battle is fought, where the battle is fought. We don't recognize the enemy that's coming against us and how he works and how he tries to hurt us. But more importantly, here's I think what we miss the most. We don't recognize who's in the battle with us, who's fighting for us, and how we use the tools and the, 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 the weapons that God has given us to fight and defend ourselves and win in this war. My friends, we're in a battle. You need to be aware of that. We're in a battle, but we can win. Second Timothy 2 verse 3 says this. It says that we overcome every form of evil, notice these words, as victorious soldiers of Jesus, the anointed one. Notice we're likened to soldiers in this verse. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the, from the distractions of this world so that he may satisfy the one who chose him. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are born into the family of God, right? Jesus becomes your brother. God becomes your father. You're a part of the family of God. But listen, you are also enlisted in the army of God. Remember that song as a kid? Anybody in children's church? I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. That was pathetic. 
we're in the Lord's army. You've been enlisted into the army of God. You're enlisted as a soldier in this fight. And you have an enemy and he's going to fight against you. And you can win, but you need to understand how to fight. So I want to help you with that. I want to help you understand how to fight. Now, if you're going to be in a fight, one of the things you need to understand is who you're fighting against. You need to understand the enemy that you're up against. And that's my second point this morning. We have an enemy. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the enemy for a little bit here. And my point is not to bring glory to him. Not at all. My point is to help you to have a better understanding of what you're up against because you need to know what you're up against so that you can fight and you can recognize this fight that you're in. Now, I want you to know something. We're not a church. I'm not a person who believes that there's a devil behind every little thing that happens in this world, okay? Like your washing machine breaks down at your home. I don't think that like, you got possessed by a demon and that caused your washing machine to quit working. I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, there are things that happen in the fallen world that we live in. We make mistakes. There are things that happen. Things break down. And there's just stuff that happens. And, and I think if we're not careful, we can, we can fall into these two extremes. One is where we over-spiritualize everything that goes on in the world. And that's not good. But the other side of it is we over-naturalize everything in this world. And we don't recognize that there really is an enemy that's trying to hurt you and trying to steal from you and trying to do damage to your life who's coming against you. Ephesians 6, look back at this with me. He says in verse 11 that we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against, look at this, the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. That word wiles there means uh, his deceitful, cunning trickery. There is a real devil. He really does exist. And, and, And it's not something that you know, Christian people made up to try to scare people into acting the right way. No, no, no. Jesus talked about the devil. Jesus dealt with the devil. There is a real devil. He really does exist. And it says that he is, he is trying to be deceitful. He's cunning. He's got trickery. He is doing everything he can to try to trip you up and to hurt you in your life. He's after you. He's your enemy. It goes on to say, uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not against what you think it may be against. It's not against people. But look at this, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Our enemy is the devil and his demons. That is your ultimate enemy. One of your main enemies in this life is the devil. And he's got demons and they are strategizing and working and using trickery and doing everything that they can to hurt you. And again, I'm not trying to give glory to the devil, but you need to know what you're up against. The devil is a bully and he's out to get you. And he, he's, he is the worst being that has ever existed. And, and he doesn't take it easy on you just because you're tired or because you're weak or because you're young. He, he wants to ruin your life. He wants to obliterate you from the face of this earth. He wants you to have no influence, no purpose. Every horrible, awful, ugly thing that exists in this world, he is the author of it. He's the author of confusion. He's a liar. He is terrible. Again, I'm not trying to glorify him. I want you to understand what you're up against. Why? So that we can wake up, so we can defend ourselves against this horrible person who is trying to trick you and hurt you and trip you up. The Bible says he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Bible says he's seeking who he can devour. Now that's the bad news. Oh yeah, by the way, he hates you. Forgot about that part. Isn't it so fun to come to church and just get encouraged on a Sunday morning? But he does. He hates you. It's not because, and here's why he hates you. Okay, let me say it like this. He hates you because he hates God. 
And he can't do anything to God. You, you know that, right? Like this is, not, this is not like in this corner is the devil and in this corner is God and they're going to duke it out to see who wins. No. It's like in this corner is the devil and in this corner is God and this is God. Like, boom, and he's gone. Like it's not even close. Okay, the devil can't touch God. Cannot touch him. It's not even close. So, so here's the thing. The devil can't do anything to God, so here's what he does. Uh, he attacks God by attacking what God loves the most in this world. And that's you and me. And so he'll come at you and he'll try to hurt you. Because just like any good parent, you don't want to see your children hurt. And God's a good parent. He's a better parent than any one of us. And he loves you. And he hates to see his children hurt. He hates to see his children sick. He hates to see his children not walking in their purpose. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to steal that all away from you. He wants to He wants to hurt you. Now, that's the bad news, but here's the good news. We have an enemy, but here's the good news. We have an ally. And the ally, the one who fights for us, is so, so much greater than the one who fights against us. The one who is on our side is so much more powerful. You know, it's kind of like, you ever seen a movie where there's like a bully? And the bully is like picking on the little kid. And all of a sudden, like Big Brother shows up. You know what I'm talking about? A big brother's bigger than the bully. And so then bully like kind of backs off of big, you know, you ever seen this before? It's in movies all the time. In fact, I was thinking about this week and I thought of this scene from a movie that I like. You've probably seen it before. Guys, go ahead and play that for us. Hey, give me 50 cents so I can buy a pop. I don't have any, Rand. Come on, I'll pay you back. I don't have Stop. Don't. Stop. Stop. Don't. Stop. Here. Here. How's your neck? Stings. That's too bad. Pedro offers you his protection. Hey, let me borrow your bike. No. Come on, give me some chips. No. Listen, church, someone much more powerful than Pedro and his cousins offers you protection, wants to protect you, wants to guard you. And listen, the way that bully reacted in that movie is the way the enemy of your life reacts when God shows up on the scene. When we invite God into our problems, man, you have everything you need to overcome those problems. God wants to help you. He really does. He's not, he's not bothered by the fact that you need his help. The Bible is real clear about this. Let me show you some verses. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us go, let us then with confidence. Notice that word, with confidence. God wants you to confidently draw near to the throne of grace. What's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. It doesn't mean you earned it. It doesn't mean you deserve it. It's just there because God's made it through Jesus available to you. 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God wants to help you in your moment of need, in your battle. He wants to help you. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. Refuge means he's a place you can run to for protection. He's a place you can run and hide and strength. He wants to give you strength, a very present help in trouble. God wants to help you in the troubles of your life. Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not for I am with you. Notice God wants to be with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, God wants to help you. And God doesn't want to help you from a distance. He doesn't want to send care packages to you that help you to, to deal with the problems of life. He's not throwing you just a, a life preserver and saying, hang on until I come back someday or until you die. That's not how God rolls. God wants to be in the middle of your problem with you. He wants to be there present with you. In the book of Daniel, we've got the story of Daniel in the lion's den. You guys remember this story? Daniel is, is going against the culture of his day. He's not do, going along with what everybody else is doing. And because of this, he gets thrown into a lion's den. And so the king comes the next day and says this. We'll pick it up, Daniel 6, verse 20. When he came, the king, near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel's been in the lion's den all night with a bunch of hungry lions by himself with nothing. Verse 21, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent, look at this, his angel. Now when it says his angel here, it's probably talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself showed up in the middle of this. And he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. The great news for Daniel is not just that God, you know, made a way so that the lions wouldn't protect him. The great news for Daniel and the great news for me and you today is that God wants to be in the middle of your problem with you. He doesn't just want to provide you with a little bit of help from a distance. He wants to get in the middle of it. He wants to get, he wants to walk with you in life and help you in those areas where you have need. He wants to fight in the middle of the battle with you. Daniel chapter 3, just a couple of chapters before Daniel, uh, there's these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And again, they're, they're fighting against the culture of the day. They're not going with the flow. They're not bowing down to the idols. And so they get thrown into a fiery furnace. How many of you know you get thrown into a fiery furnace, you normally die, right? You burn normally. We'll pick it up in verse 24, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he's the guy who throws them into this fiery furnace, was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three bound into the midst of the, of the fire? And that's, yes, he did. They, they answered and said, king, oh, true, king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And look what he says. And the form of the fourth is the son of God. Jesus shows up in the middle of the fire. Jesus shows up in the middle of the lines. And what does that tell us? Jesus wants to show up in the middle of your problems. And he wants to help you. He wants to fight in those battles with you. He wants to protect you. He wants to close the mouth of the line. He wants to keep you from being burned by the fires. God wants to be with you in the middle of the fire. But the choice is ours. Are we going to let him in? Or are we just going to try to do this on our own? Are we going to welcome him into our battles? Or are we going to try to, to walk through this... I don't know. See, if we welcome him in, we get God. And when we get God, you get all the strength, you get all the wisdom, you get all the power, you get all the direct, you get everything you need. Listen, I don't know what you may be facing today. It may feel like it's too much for you. It may feel like it's a big deal, like it's, it's a mountain, like we sang earlier, that's a mountain. It seems significant. But listen, 
Your little strength combined with God is more than enough to deal with any battle that you're going to face. If you have God on your side, you have the majority. That's good stuff right there, people. If God's on your side, you always have enough. You win every time. But the question is, is God on your side? Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can stand against us? As I was reading that this week, the part that stood out to me was, if. If God is for us. And I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Is God for me? Have, have I positioned myself in my battles in such a way that God can be for me? God wants to be for you, but understand this. Your God is a God of invitation. He only moves when we invite him in. He doesn't, he doesn't break your will. He doesn't make you do anything. But when you invite him in, he comes. The Bible speaks to him standing at the door and knocking. And that we have to open the door. We have to let him in. Are you letting him into your battles? Because if you do, and if he's for you, then nothing else, can, nothing else matters. Nothing can stand against you if God is for you. The strength that you have with God is more than enough to win every battle you face. So how do we position ourselves in such a way that God can be for us, that God can be in the middle of our, our battles with us? We'll go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. It says that we are to put on the whole armor of God. Everybody say, put on, put on. the whole armor of God. The whole, armor. the whole armor. Turn to the person beside you and say, the whole armor. the whole armor. The whole armor of God. Number three is you put on the armor. Now, anytime the Bible talks about putting something on or dressing ourselves in something, clothing ourselves in something, it speaks to it not being natural. Because I don't know about you, but this morning when I got up, I didn't like step out of bed, do this, and my clothes just magically jumped onto me. Doesn't happen. I have to go pick out my clothes. I have to open drawers. I have to button things up. I have to pull pants out. I have to, I have to dress myself. It's not automatic. In the same way, what God's talking about, putting on the whole armor, this is something that we have to intentionally do. There's got to be some intentionality on our part to do our part so that God can help us. He's provided armor, but you got to put it on. And, and, and imagine, imagine this with me. Okay, imagine a scene, okay, a scene from a movie. And there's a big battle getting ready to go down and you've got like this army and you've got all these dudes and they're all dressed up in their swords and their shields and helmets and all their gear on. And it's kind of, it's like one of these, these crane shots, it's panning down this group of guys and they're all ready to fight. And then it comes down and all of a sudden it comes on a guy and this guy's just got on a helmet and it's kind of cockeyed, not really strapped on right. And he's got on a shoe and that's it. Like that's it. Buck naked after that. Now, first of all, you see this in the scene, you're probably going to avert your eyes, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen, church. But then, but then here's the thought you're going to have besides gross is that guy's not going to win. That guy's in trouble because he's not dressed for the fight. He, he has on a helmet, he has on a shoe, but that's not enough. Like he needs more than that. He's, he's an open target to the enemy that they're fighting against. You don't even know who the enemy is, but you're looking at that guy going, that's not good. Or imagine you saw a guy and he's got all his gear on. You see him from the front, you know, and he's all geared up and ready to go. And he's swinging his sword and looking all strong. And he's, you know, big looking dude, armored up. But then he turns to the side and you notice that there's nothing on the back except a couple of arrows that are stuck in his rear end. How many of you know, if you've got arrows in your rear end, you're losing the fight. 
right? And, and I think if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in this place. We're not putting on the whole armor of God. We're putting on pieces of it. The pieces maybe we know, we understand, we're, but we're not really, there's areas of our life we're not really submitted to God like we should be. We're not doing, and so we, we find ourselves unprotected in these areas of our life. I also think this can happen. This was something God showed me this week. If we don't fully understand the armor like we should, I think there's parts of the armor that can even become something God's created to protect us that because we don't understand them, they become an obstacle to the fight. Let me illustrate it with a story. When I was seven years old, a movie came out called The Karate Kid, and it changed my life and a lot of other kids at my age. Anybody, any boys, 30-something, almost 40-something-year-old boys, men in here, men, that saw The Karate Kid in theaters? I mean, I was, I was done. I was ready to find a sensei and, and, and crank kick some jerk's face while the best around was playing on a boombox somewhere. I was ready. Anybody with me, dudes? Come on. And so my mom, like many other kids, got signed, up, signed me up for karate class. And, uh, and I had my first tournament coming up. And so... I, they didn't tell, in the movie, like when they go in the tournament, they're not wearing any pads and stuff, but that wasn't the case, Jake. I had to have pads. And that was kind of disappointing. I wanted to really punch somebody in the face with my bare hand, but I didn't get to do that. I had to get pads. So my mom, t- <laughs> my mom yeah, you guys are thinking I'm a weirdo, but I'm a, I was seven, okay? Give me a break. So my mom took me to buy these pads and uh, took me to this little karate store. And we, she, my dad was out of town, so my mom was taking me to do this because the tournament was coming up. And and this, there was a guy there that was kind of taking us around, showing us all the things we needed. I needed gloves. I needed a little helmet. I needed uh, shin guards, foot guards, all this stuff. And so he's taking my mom through, showing her all this stuff. And he said, does, does, does he have a cup? And my mom was like, she, she didn't know what a cup was. Anybody else not know what a cup is in here? Keep your hands down, okay? But she didn't know what a cup was. And so when he's, he's, she's like, I don't think so. And he's like, okay, well, he needs one of these. And she got a cup. So my mom is looking at this as we're checking out. And she's trying to figure out, what is this for? And she told me later, she thought it went on my face. She thought that the, the band went around my head like a headband. That the, the front part went on my nose. And the straps went over my ears. Now, can you imagine how epic that would have been? See that little seven-year-old marching in, ready to go? I don't, I think that would have been it for me. I think it would have been done. I don't think you recover from having a cup on your face. But here's my point. Luckily, thank God, my father, I have a father. And he, he spoke into this and brought freedom to so many, including myself. But, but here's, my, here's my point. That piece of armor that was designed to protect me because I didn't understand how it worked, could have become an obstacle that could have not only embarrassed me, but caused me to get my face kicked in, right? And and I think this can happen sometimes with the armor of God. A great example of this is the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit is a part of the armor of God? If you read about the armor of God, there's not a period before it talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a part of the armor of God that we're to protect ourselves with. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper in the Holy Spirit. It's going to be with you. And yet there's a lot of people because we don't really understand the Holy Spirit. We look at him because he's a him, not an it. We look at him and we say, I don't know about that. I've seen some stuff. That's kind of scary to me. I don't want anything to do with that. 
That becomes an obstacle to us. Something that was designed to protect you becomes an obstacle that keeps you from the freedom God wants you to walk in. This is why we need to understand this. Now, I don't have time to get into all the armor today, but I do have a resource for you. If you will go to newsongpeople.com slash armor, newsongpeople.com slash armor, write that down. Uh, There is on that page, there is a list of all seven pieces of armor for you. And And here's what I encourage you. We got seven days in a week. I'd encourage you this next week to spend a day studying and reading about each piece of armor and, and what it is and how it works and, uh, and, and learn about it and, and grow in that so that you can know how this armor works so that you can be equipped for the battle. But, but let, me, let me go into this part, okay? We're told to put on the armor. How do we put it on? Because we're told to put it on. How do we do that? It's actually really simple, okay? Here it is. Two words. Pray, obey. You pray and you obey. You pray, you go to God and you ask God for direction and wisdom. And then you listen to what he has to say through his word, through his voice. And then you obey what it is he's telling you to do. It's that simple. Like we overcomplicate the things of God sometimes. We really do. But, but it's this simple. If you go to God, you ask him for direction. You ask him what to do. You look at his word. You look at what his word has to say. You listen for his voice. And then you obey what he's telling you to do. You win every time. You win every time. It doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. I'm not telling you that. But ultimately, you're going to win every time if you are following and being led by the voice of God and the word of God. You're praying and obeying God's word. You're going to win every time. You're going to walk in victory. God wants to help you. And I want you to know this morning that God wants you to depend on him. Like sometimes I think because of the way we're raised. See, we're all born as little babies where we are completely dependent upon our, our mom and dad. I, I saw my little, I don't know what she is to me, niece, great niece, whatever, but Wren is here this morning. How old is Wren? Two weeks? Something like that? One week? Eight days? Okay, I saw her this morning. She's helpless. Like she's, she's in a little wad up there on her mom. And she's, she counts on someone else to do everything for her right now. She can cry and she can poop and pee. And she's probably good at those things. But outside of that, she needs to be fed, she needs to be cared for, diapered, bathed, moved around. Like, she's completely helpless, and we're all born that way. You were all that at one point in your life. And part of the maturation process for each one of us is that as we grow, we mature, and we become more independent of other people in our life. And we look at that, and we say, that's good most of the time. Like, you don't want to be the guy that people look at you, and they say, that dude needs to cut the cord. Like, he's still living in mom and dad's basement playing you know, Xbox 360, like that guy needs help. Amen? Amen. Okay. So we grow independent of, of people. In fact, to the point that we get married and we leave our father and mother and we're joined to our spouse. And that's good. And the pro- but, but here's the problem. Sometimes we look at that same process and we think that that's how it works with God. We think that part of maturing in the things of God is that we mature in such a way that we need God less. That we, we learn how he does things so that we don't need him. We don't have to count on him. We don't have to lean on him. Listen, that is not maturity in, as far as spiritual things go. If you want to grow in your maturity spiritually, here's what you learn. You learn how to be more dependent on God. You learn how to count on God more than ever before. I, I've had the honor in my life of, of being surrounded by some pretty significant men in, in the church world. Men who are a part of the body of Christ and have big churches and a lot of influence and have written books and done some pretty significant things. And one of the things, as I've spent time with these men, one of the things I've noticed about them is 
it seems like the more influence they have, the more uh, dependent they are on God. That they are, they're looking to God for everything, for all the direction of their life. They're totally counting on God in their life. Listen, God wants you to count on him. He wants you to lean into him. He wants you to trust in him and follow him and look to him. One of the great warriors of the Bible is David. David won so many battles. David was in a ton of battles, and he won significant battles. Battles where he was outnumbered. He, he fought, it was David and Goliath. He won that battle. He had so many amazing battles through Scripture. And, and if you study the life of David, you're going you're gonna to read a word over and over again, or a sentence over and over again, and it's this. David inquired of the Lord. I, I encourage you, read the story of David. Read through it and notice how many times, highlight how many times it says, David inquired of the Lord. You know what that means? Here's what it means. This is deep. It means he asked God what to do. That's what it means. That's what it means to inquire of the Lord. He asked God what to do. And and he won a lot of battles. And here's why. Because he asked God what to do. And then he did what God said to do. And and because of that, he won a lot of battles. In fact, let me me highlight one to you that I I found really cool. 2 Samuel 5.18. David's getting ready to fight the Philistines. It says this in verse 18. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Raphaim. Now remember that valley. Okay, we're going to come back to that in a minute. So David, here it is, inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. Now skip verse 21 and look at verse 22. It says, Then the Philistines went up once again... And deployed themselves in the valley of Raphaim. That's where they just fought and lost. They just, just, like a verse ago. <laughs> like one verse ago, they fought in the valley of Raphaim and they lost. And now here they are, coming back to the same valley to fight David again. Now you would think that David would just go, hey, I've already defeated him once here. I got this. And just goes back in with the same strength he used before, the same way he did it before. You know, that's how, that's how some of us are. But what did David do? He didn't see it that way. Look at what he says in verse 23. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord. David once again goes to God and says, God, what do I do? How do you want me to fight? And what's interesting is God actually gives him a completely different way to fight this time. And he fights that way and he wins that way. And here's what I want you to see. David, even though he's fighting the same enemy on the same battleground that he fought them on before... He didn't take for granted that he needed God in the middle of it. And so once again, what does he do? He inquires of the Lord. He asked God what to do, and he obeyed what God said to do. I hope you're following this morning. We're in battles. We have fights coming against us all the time. And what God wants you to do is lean into him, is ask for his direction, Every time, every day we go to God. This is why here at New Song, we make such a big deal out of quiet time. Quiet time is important. You need to have a time with the Lord every day where you're going to God and you're praying and you're going to God and you're, you're worshiping and you're reading the Bible and you're listening for his voice and you're spending some time with him. Not because it's a ritual to try to get God to give you that good job stamp of approval for the day. That's not what this is about. This is not about a ritual. This is about a relationship because when you go to God and you make room for God every day, guess what? God shows up. 
And when you get God, you get all that God brings with him, all his strength, all his wisdom, all his direction, everything that God is, you get when you invite him into your life. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Is God for you? Are you making room for him? Remember I said earlier, you got to put on the whole armor of God. This is how you do it. You take time, you pray, and you obey. That's what your quiet time is about. And listen, just like your clothes don't jump off onto you, you have to intentionally put those clothes on. You're going to have to be intentional about your quiet time with the Lord. If you're counting on the fact that it's just going to happen, you can count on the fact that it ain't going to (laughs) happen. Like, I'm guessing if you struggle with having a time with the Lord every day, it's because you're not calendaring it. You're not scheduling. You don't have a time and a place. You're not reserving that. And so it's not happening. If you want it to happen you got to get intentional. you got to clothe yourself in God. And when you do, man, God shows up. And it's amazing what God brings with him. I'm telling you, my friends, we're in a battle. We're in a fight. And we have an enemy, but we have an ally. And if we'll fight the way God's designed us to fight, we can win. And that's one of the things that, that prayer is so wonderful about in our life. When you, when you take things to the Lord in prayer, you change the battleground. It's interesting. I was, I was studying this week, and the Bible oftentimes refers to us as Christians, us to believers, and how we, how we go through life. It likens us to how eagles operate many times. The Bible also refers to, to Satan as a serpent or as a snake. And I, I read this week, it was talking about how, how, a, uh, how an eagle fights a snake or a serpent for whatever reason. You know, they got a fight coming up between the two of them. If an eagle is fighting a snake, it doesn't fight it on the ground. What it does is it grabs that eagle and it takes it way up into the atmosphere. And then you know what it does? It lets it go. And, and when it releases it into the sky, it releases it into an atmosphere where that snake has no power, has no balance, has no strength. It's completely lost. Now, are you following me? When we as Christians are likened to eagles, Satan is likened to serpent. God wants us to fight our battles on a different battleground. He wants you to take the enemy of your life and take the problems of your life, the battles of your life, the fights of your life into an atmosphere where the enemy has no ground to stand on. See, the devil has been defeated. Defeated. It means he has no footing in your life. Jesus defeated him at the cross. He made a way so we can walk in victory. But listen, we have to walk in it. We have to choose to walk in it. And when you choose to take the problems and the battles of your life into prayer, you take them into an atmosphere where the devil has no footing. He has no balance. He has no strength. You take the home court advantage onto your ground. And in that place, listen, I love that the Bible says we cast our cares on the Lord. Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to take your battle into the atmosphere of prayer and release it. And here's what happens. When you do that in faith, it falls to its death. Whatever it is, it has no balance, no ground to stand on. You will walk in victory. I thought that was really cool. My friends, I'm telling you, we can win. You can win. You don't have to walk in defeat. Yes, we're in a battle. Yes, we have an enemy that's horrible and ugly. But, but listen, let me tell you who's on your side. The kindest, sweetest, most loving, most powerful being is for you. 
If God is for you, who can stand against you? If God is for you, is God for you? Are you welcoming God into the battle of your life? This can be a good series, amen? amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we love you today and we thank you that you don't leave us on our own. That our God isn't a God who, who just throws us a life preserver and says, hopefully you can make it. But that Jesus through the cross showed us that he was willing to jump into the middle of our mess so that he could rescue us and save us and help us. And so, Lord, we thank you for being in our battles with us, Lord. We welcome you. In fact, we say to you, God, we welcome you into the problems of our life. We welcome you in our battles of our life. We don't choose to fight alone. We choose to take these things into the atmosphere of prayer. We choose to make room for you. We choose to clothe ourselves in this armor to put on, do things your way, Lord. We choose to be people who pray and obey so that we can fight to win in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ like you should, maybe, maybe you have never in your life made a point to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you would say today that you feel like uh, you and God are kind of far away from each other. And you feel like that you know you're not right and you feel, a call, you feel like God is tugging at your heart this morning. Like God is saying, hey, I love you and I'm for you and I, I, want, I want to be in your life. And maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you've done some dumb stuff and you feel like you're not worthy. Listen, it's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done. And Jesus made a way so that all of your sin could be forgiven. And all you have to do is, it's real simple. You believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. And you confess it with your mouth. And when you do that, the Bible says that Jesus becomes the Lord of your life. That he comes and enters into your heart. Makes you new. You're born again. If that's you today, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, would you just lift up your hand real quick? Or maybe you're here today and you're, you feel like you're far from God and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If that's you today, you want to know that you're right with God, just slip up your hand real quick and then put it right back down. Put it up right back down. If that's you this morning, don't walk out of here not being sure. I saw that hand. Don't walk out of here not being sure where you stand with the Lord. If that's you today, just lift up your hand real, real quick, put it right back down. All right, church, would you stand with me this morning? I saw at least one hand go up. We're going to pray a prayer together. And we're all going to say this prayer together because we believe what the Word of God says. That we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in our heart that we will be saved. So the, those of you who raised your hand, those of you who pray this prayer and believe it, a miracle is going to take place. This is the greatest miracle in your life. You're going to be born again. Your spirit, the old part of you, that sinful nature of you is going to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for you at the cross. Isn't that awesome? So if you would say this with me, everybody say this together. Say, dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I have sinned. And I come to you right now asking for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you are the son of God and that you rose from the dead. I open my heart to you. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I give you control of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.